All right, welcome to another episode of The More You Know, and I'm my sincere apologies, I have been the worst at uploading every single week. Uh, last week, had some minor complications happen, and uh, I couldn't really get around to recording, but I promise I will try my hardest <laughs> to uh, get an episode out every single week now. But today we are joined with Jeremy. Jeremy, can you give us a brief intro of yourself? Yeah, so uh, like you said, my name is Jeremy. I am a licensed professional counselor in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I'm a writer. Um, I, I deal with uh, religion. I deal with mental health. I deal with uh, current issues. Um, I have a lot of hobbies. I play guitar. I garden. I build things when the opportunity affords itself, and uh, yeah, I just try to suck the marrow out of life. Yeah, that's good, man. You got to get like what you can out of life while you're here, so better to just learn it all instead of learn uh, one thing. Yeah, that's right. But speaking of mental health, um, it's been a wild year for everyone. I can I feel like I, I can speak for everyone and say that it's been a wild year and that there's a there's definitely been some change in our lifestyles. Um, I can say that for myself for the past year and a half, me and my girlfriend haven't really done any anything except kind of just spend our days at home. Um, and now things are starting to get back to normal. Um, what can you what can you like put in? or say about like the mental health of everyone who's starting from scratch, really. Like we've kind of been introverts for the past year or so. And now just going back out into the world is just, it just sounds weird. Yeah, it is weird. And it's, I'm glad that you said we've all kind of been introverts for a year now because I'm actually like, I'm a textbook introvert uh, and I always have been. And so, you know, when, when this whole pandemic thing started, like everyone else, I didn't think it was going to last as long as it has. So I thought, okay, well, this is what, you know, this is what I was born to do, stay inside and, and just avoid people <laughs> and, and that whole thing. Uh, and then, it, you know, as it wore on, even me, uh, who is quite comfortable uh, spending his time, um, you know, in limited company or just in the company of myself and my dog, even I started to to get a little antsy. And so, you know, talking to talking to my friends who are much more uh, extroverted than I, um, speaking with clients, speaking with colleagues, it has been um, it has been it, it's been evident that people were not quite prepared uh, for for the last year, and you know I don't say that disparagingly, but just it caught all of us by surprise and. Uh, and you know, when you're not prepared, things tend to become more severe than had you been prepared. And so as a result, you know, a lot of people have been experiencing, uh, thoughts and, and feelings that, that maybe they aren't used to experiencing or that maybe they've experienced in other seasons of their lives and have, uh, you know, since come out of and thought that they were done with, and now here they come roaring back. And so it's, it's tricky now that things are starting to open up um, because, because a lot of people have had to learn 
uh, a lot of new social skills uh, in the way of of basically not being all that social. Um, you know, I we were talking off air just now. I just this weekend, I had two firsts for me since about March of last year. Uh, Friday, I had dinner with a few friends, and this morning I went back to mass for the first time, and it was. It was familiar, but it also felt so different. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a learning curve and there is a there is a need for everyone to just kind of be um, to be patient with themselves and to be patient with the process, because, you know, we're getting back out there and it feels really familiar to go out to a restaurant or go out to a bar or just whatever but there's still something very different about it. And so it's almost a sort of cognitive dissonance of, I know what this is, but I'm not quite sure what this is. Um, and so, you know, it may feel like we're doing it wrong. It may feel like we should have just stayed in all these different sorts of things. Um, but we can't stay in forever. Uh, you know, life is lived uh, not just indoors, but outdoors as well. And so, it's um, it's going to be a learning curve. Uh, we learned how to stay indoors for a year, and now we're going to have to learn how to um, reemerge into society. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I did the same thing this past weekend. Uh, we got together with some friends downtown, and it's it was just so weird because I'm so used to really not talking throughout the day really because for me because for me when i'm at work i just throw in airpods and just listen to a podcast and it's just people talking to each other but i'm not really the one talking to them so just talking a lot to well when we were at dinner just talking was kind of like a workout to me because i was like wow my jaw hasn't moved this month this much since like march of last year but again, it's probably going to come along, like you said, over with some time. It's uh, that muscle, that muscle memory of us being social is going to help us get back into the get back into the groove. Yeah, like I'm a I'm a despite being an introvert, I'm also a hugger. You know, I if I can, yeah. I'm going to give you a hug or, you know, at, at worst, a high or a high five or a handshake or something. So, you know, at dinner the other night. All of us had been vaccinated, uh, fully vaccinated. So, you know, we we had that level of uh, that level of comfort, and that level of security. But even still, having not seen any of these people for more than a year, there was that initial awkwardness of like, how do I greet you? Do I do I hug you? Do I high five? Do we, you know, hit elbows? What do we do? And so there were some very awkward, um, you know, you, you see in movies where someone will go for a high five, then the other person will go for a handshake and then they'll do the opposite. It was that kind of thing amongst oh, the all worst. Of us. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> but, it, but you know, there was, um, there was a, uh, there was a, a mutual understanding it, you know, the, what would have been kind of an awkward thing wasn't because it wasn't one person making that mistake. It was, it was everybody making it. And so, you know, there was this kind of that mutual understanding of, we have to relearn the rhythms 
of being around other people. Uh, and that's going to, that's going to involve a lot of moments just like that. So just, you know, buckle up and get used to it. I know that a lot of people when they were in quarantine and had to stay inside instead of doing stuff every single weekend, it brought a lot of, uh, mental stress to a, a lot of people. Uh, have you talked to a lot of people who have been facing a lot of issues with this? And what are some things do you, what are some things that you can recommend for them to kind of like help with like the sense of feeling lonely? Yeah. Yeah. There's, and you know, even before the pandemic, uh, loneliness was on the rise and you know, that's a, that's a whole other topic entirely, but people were, people were feeling lonely before the pandemic and do you know pan- why though? Yeah. Uh, I, well, I mean, I don't know why I have my theories. Um, so I was on, uh, I was on a podcast in 2019, I believe it was the, um, it was the Catholic news agency podcast. And it was a, a special on loneliness, particularly amongst millennials. We talked a lot about, you know, social trends about how, uh, how millennials are getting married later in life and how they're delaying having kids and, and just all sorts of things that are just kind of socially unusual based on, uh, based on past trends. And so we talked a lot about that. We talked about kind of the role that social media plays. Um, we talked about uh, just a lot of things. And so I'm, I personally am of the opinion that social media does actually play a big role in our loneliness because it kind of, it, what's a good way of putting this? It gives us the, it gives us the impression of being social, but it also takes away a key component of the social aspect, which is being around other people. You know, they say that about 80% of communication is nonverbal. So, you know, just body language, eye contact, all that sort of stuff. And when your primary means of communicating, even with people that you're very close to, is through a screen, you lose 80% of, of what you want to communicate, but also 80% of what they're communicating to you. And so in a very real sense, it's kind of reduces the level of intimacy that you can feel in a friendship. And when, when you feel a lack of intimacy, well, you're going to be lonely. And so that's kind of the direction that we went in was, uh, was just that, you know, we, we went in a hundred other directions, but that was kind of the central thrust. Um, and so, you know, with this pandemic, it's kind of interesting because suddenly our primary means of being social is through social media, the very thing that may well be making us feel lonely in the first place. And, you know, it, it just, it kind of reminds us of, it kind of reminds us of what we want to be doing, of what we could be doing, but what we're not able to do at the moment. And so it creates this kind of tension. Um, but going back to your earlier question, um, I have spoken with a lot of friends. I've worked with quite a few clients who have all reported that the pandemic just wreaked havoc on their mental health, how 
they've never, you know, they've never been lonelier. They've never been in like a more dark or isolated place. Um, it's been, it's been interesting because I'm a, I'm a rather abstract and existential thinker just by consequence of my upbringing. And so it's been very interesting to see and to hear, uh, this very existential language start to be used. Like you hear people regularly talk about, Oh, I'm in a dark place. You know, I'm in, I'm in a Valley. I'm, I'm in a low place because, because the pandemic did something that I think is actually a good thing in the long run. Um, it's, it, caused us to it it took away a lot of the things that we used as distractions um going out getting loaded every weekend you know partying social media all these sorts of things which can be good distractions but if you do them too much they become a problem and they 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 take you away from the otherwise very serious business of of living and growing and developing as a human being. And so, and so the pandemic basically locked us all in our homes for a year. And what it caused a lot of us to do was to be alone with our thoughts. And that could be a very scary thing. Um, particularly when you're not used to being alone with your thoughts. Uh, there's some, there are quite a few people in this world who, uh, go to great efforts not to be alone with their thoughts. And so, uh, so, you know, being confronted with that is a very good opportunity. It's a very good thing, but it can be, it can be a very dangerous thing. Um, we were, we were confronted on mass with our own mortality in a very real sense, especially early on when we didn't know just how, how, uh, deadly the virus was we were just all afraid that we were going to catch it and it was going to kill us um that's a thought that a lot of people had probably not really given too much consideration to despite the fact that everyone's life is going to end in death at some point and so it caused a lot of uh it caused a lot of existential crises i think um going back to that existential language, it caused a lot of existential crises. And so now we're at this, this point where, you know, lockdowns are being lifted. Restrictions are being lifted. I think I saw something like, I think it's like 40%. Maybe that's, that's, that may not be right, but something like 40% of the U S right now is at least partially vaccinated. So like we're getting there. That's great. But where are we getting exactly? We're getting somewhere, like I said earlier, that's familiar, but also different. Um, and so you asked, uh, you asked, what are some things that we can do uh, in this process to kind of, to kind of, you know, bridge the gap and, and kind of start picking ourselves back up. My, that's, that's a difficult question because everyone is different. Um, what I like to tell my clients uh, mainly because I believe it fully is that we just need to have patience. Um, we don't need to rush it. If, 
if we don't want to go out, we shouldn't. If we're not ready for it, we shouldn't do it because we're just not ready for it. Um, we need to we need to show ourselves grace and know that it's going to be uncomfortable for a while. Um, some of us may need to show some self restraint. You know, just we we don't need to go on a weekend long bender just because we've been locked up for the year. Um, it really just kind of depends on the individual. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get that for me. Um, even though I do live with my girlfriend um, there, there's, there's still times where like, even you still feel alone, even though you're with someone, mm-hmm. um, some, some good tactics that I found was actually podcasting. Actually, I picked up podcasting when I was in the middle of the pandemic because I was like, well, if there's one thing that I want to try is to try to keep being social and mm-hmm. what's what better way of communicating with and just practice talk, talking and getting comfortable with people again yeah. is through podcasting. Cause you're just talking for like a conversation for like an hour. So yeah. that was one thing that helped out with me. I found myself like FaceTiming a lot more, with friends mm-hmm. that I haven't really talked to in a while or even just texting them um, and then that leading up to a fight to a FaceTime call really helped yeah. me too. Yeah, no. And I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because something I started doing um, something that was really beneficial for me was I uh, I'm not the most online person in the world. I'm not the most tech savvy person in the world, but desperate times cause for desperate measures. And so uh, last March, I think, is when I finally got onto Reddit. I had never been on Reddit before, um, but I had, I you know, I had been laid off because of the pandemic, had a lot of time on my hands. So I thought, well, got to fill it somehow. So I got on Reddit and I pretty quickly found a whole bunch of uh, mental health related subreddits. And so I thought, well, okay, here's, you know, here's an area that I have something to offer. And at the moment, I feel like I'm just kind of wasting away and that my life has no meaning. So maybe I what I can do is I can get on here and just kind of in no official capacity, but just, you know, in a unofficial capacity, I can find some people who need uh, who needs some some direction or some help or just someone to listen to them. And I can just, you know, provide some free semi-mental health uh, services. And so that's what I started doing. And before I knew it, I was getting, you know, a dozen messages a day from people saying, hey, I saw you on, I saw you on this subreddit and I saw that you were talking about this. Can I ask you a few questions? It's like, yeah, sure. That's That's why I'm here. Um, and so, you know, it's one thing that most of us have been lacking over the last year is a sense of meaning or a sense of purpose. Um, for those of us who were lucky enough to keep our jobs, maybe that's not quite the case, but that wasn't, not all of us were so lucky. And so a lot of people just kind of were left to, uh, just kind of languish in their own anger and their own frustration and their own nihilism. And so that's something that I, I would 
recommend uh, if, if anyone may be listening who who as a result of the pandemic may just be in this empty sort of place, um, you know, now is a good time to to think back to uh, what was the last thing that you did or the last thing that you were involved in that brought you real joy or real fulfillment. Um, go back to that, you know, go hold on to that and rediscover it and see if it still brings you that, that sense of meaning. And if it does, then, you know, start from there Um, because it's going to be a lot easier to, to re-socialize if, if you have, if you have just a little bit of gas in the tank versus no gas at all. Yeah, definitely. I, I like that you mentioned or brought up the the fact of like think about a time when mm-hmm. you felt like a purpose because um I can definitely attest to that because when people are or when I'm feeling like a lack of motivation to do anything uh I usually tend to think back like for example working out um mm-hmm. if 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 there's a moment where I'm just like I don't want to go work out today or I don't want to go out for a run today I also bring myself back and think about the time when I went for a run and I broke a new PR for that for that day mm. and the and the sense of pride and the sense of accomplishment that I felt really gets me sparked up in the yeah. moment and gets me to go into the closet and get a pair of shorts on and then that makes me feel more like ready to mm-hmm. tackle the workout or the run and then i go and then you just build off off on top of that so i yeah. i put the shorts on i put my socks on put the shoes on grab my apple watch and i and then i'm like well there's there's really no turning back now i i just did all of that work so i'm so i might as well just go out and do it yeah yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, that's the nature of success is that it builds on itself. And that's, that's why the first step is the most difficult, but also the most important, because before you take that first step, you know, and you're, you don't really have anything to build on. So you got to lay that foundation. Like you said, you gotta, you gotta put your shorts on or even, you know, take it back further than that. You gotta get out of bed when the alarm goes off. Um, I just finished reading a book, uh, I don't know if you if you're familiar with who Jocko Willink is, but he's a he's a, are you familiar with him? Uh, I know he's a Navy SEAL, and I know that he has a very deep deep voice, and he talks really motivational <laughs> to you. Yeah, so he's a he's a retired Navy SEAL. He retired as a I think a lieutenant commander. Did two uh, two tours of duty in Iraq and Ramadi, and then he got into podcasting. Um, and, you know, finding him over the pandemic was another kind of lifeline for me personally, because his whole thing is that discipline equals freedom. And what he means by that is that when you are, when you are disciplined, when you, when you have, you know, a routine, a regular schedule, when you're able to get out of bed at the same time in the morning, these things free you up to do the sort of things that you actually want to do because you're no longer fighting yourself. So let's, let's use the working out analogy. 
um, if you're undisciplined, like I tend to be from time to time, you may have an alarm that's set to go off at 5 a.m. and you may get out of bed at 5 a.m. or you may get out of bed at 5.45. If you get out of bed at 5 a.m., okay, so there's your first victory. You did it. So what'd you get out of bed for? Well, you got out of bed to go to the gym. Okay, so what's next there? You got to put your shorts on. You got to lace up your shoes. You got to you know, grab your car keys. You got to do all these sorts of things. All of those are little victories that are building on the previous victory, which is building on having had the discipline to get out of bed at 5 a.m. And if you're disciplined enough to do that on the reg, then it's not something that you have to worry about anymore because it's something that you're going to just start doing. Um, you know, we could break it down even simpler, something like brushing your teeth. Um, we don't think of that as being a discipline, but it really is because we don't have to do it. It's something that we do because we know it's good for us. And because it's become uh, just kind of an automatic function for us, it's not something that we spend really any time or energy like fighting ourselves over, oh, I got to do that. I don't want to, uh, because that gets really exhausting really quickly. And so you know, the, um, the other side of that coin is that you don't get out of bed at 5 a.m. Okay, so you get out of bed at 5.30. Well, now you're just kind of frustrated with yourself because you meant to get out of bed at 5. And so you think, okay, well, do I have time for a workout still? No, probably not. And so you, you start <laughs> the day off with this with this just a, a, a defeat, you know, you, you got a defeat just sitting on your shoulders. And that, that makes it, that, that makes it more difficult to get a victory going forward. Um, so anyway, so his, so his whole thing is discipline equals freedom. Um, and I've actually lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that, Brian? Uh, finding Jack Willing was a good part in the pandemic um then we went yeah. into that but i can definitely attest to like like small victories in the morning definitely build on top of each other uh yeah. i think i i think i actually heard that same thing from from jocko from like a <laughs> from like a motivational youtube channel yeah. and ever since then that is the point when i started to realize that when i started to just m- making the bed every single morning if I'm if I'm the last one awake, then I'm then I like to make the bed. But usually, uh, I am the first one to get out of bed. But just like making the bed is just one simple task, one simple check that you can mm-hmm. get early in the morning, first thing, and that's when you can just look at it, look at it and just say, "Look at that bed. It looks very nice. It's a task done." And then you can build on top of that. And yep that is when it just snowball effects onto early in the morning, in the beginning of your day, all the way to the end of, yeah. of the day. Yeah. And that's, um, <clears throat> that's a good approach to take, uh, toward, toward the ultimate goal of resocialization is, you know, once, once it's safe for you to get back out there, um, you know, depending on where you're listening to this from, there may be restrictions in place. So once it's safe for you to get out there, you may want to, but you may find that it's difficult. Um, you know, you may find that 
you've you've developed a sense of social anxiety and that may be a new thing for you and so you think to yourself well i want to go out but it's just difficult for me okay so get out and just go for a walk around the block get out and go get some takeout but you know go into the place to get it take baby steps get small victories under your belt you don't have to do it all at once you know i'm um i'm a hockey fan and my particular my preferred team the dallas stars they have a they have a bad habit of of getting down by multiple goals and the natural inclination when you're down by two or three points in a in a in a one point per goal kind of sport is oh, I, we're down by four. We got to get it back. It's like, well, you can only get one point back at a time. So don't worry about tying up the game before you get your first goal. Just get that first goal. Then worry about the second. Then worry about the third. Um, the same is true here. You know, just set it. it you know, I, I'm working with a few clients right now uh, for social anxiety as it happens. And we're doing what's called exposure therapy, which is finding the thing that makes you anxious and then incrementally desensitizing yourself to, to the ultimate goal of, of no longer being made anxious by that thing. Um, and the same, you know, the same is true for, for going out. The same is true for uh, getting over loneliness. It's, it's not going to happen all at once. It has to be done incrementally. It has to be done intentionally and it needs to be done with patience because there are going to be setbacks and there are going to be leap, leap forwards, leaps forward, I suppose I should say. And um, there may be a leap forward that's followed immediately by a setback. You just, you don't know. And so, you know, Whatever you're trying to get over, whether it's depression, loneliness, anxiety, whatever, if you're not patient, it's going to be a lot more difficult. There's one thing that I wanted to ask you. Um, have, has there ever been moments of like when you have plans of going out with people, but like maybe like days or even hours leading up to it, you just have that battle in your head of just like, do I really want to go out? Like, oh, I don't really want to go out. Like, oh, you're just dreading it. But once you get into the moment, it's like, I like this. It's actually really fun. Because I found yeah. myself even battling that, even like when things weren't even like shut down, I would mm. always have that battle within myself of just like, oh, this is such a drag. I don't want to go. It just seems like too much, too much work. But then you're forced to do it and then you get there and you're just having the time of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's more diff that, that is more common for some people than others, but I think it's pretty common for a lot of people. So I, like I say, I'm an, I'm a textbook introvert. And so, so my, my resting state is, you know, on the couch with a book and my cell phone is in the other room because I just don't want to be reached. And so I like the, I, I always like the idea of going out and being with friends, but when the moment comes, it's one of the most difficult things for me to make myself do because I, I, I'm single at the moment. 
I only have my dog. And so if I don't, if there's something I don't want to do, there's no one who's going to push me to do it. It has to come from me. And so, so for people like me who have, uh, histories of, you know, depression, anxiety, things like that, it's really easy for us to just kind of be torn apart by this want to be social, but also this, this uncomfort, this discomfort with it. And so, yeah, like you said, it could be hours or even days leading up to it. And you're, you know, you're kind of metaphorically looking for the exits. You're trying to figure out what you can say that could justify you getting out of this, this social engagement, even though you want to go to it. You know, something that causes that is, is kind of a, for some people, not for everyone, but for some people, it's, uh, it's called catastrophizing. And it's when you just start coming up with this list of every possible thing that could go wrong. And it's not like I might get pulled over. Or I might get a flat. It's like, you know, the place, the, the house could burn down or, you know, just crazy things. It's, it's catastrophizing. It's getting to the worst possible outcome. However, unlikely we do these things, we build these things up in our heads, particularly because anxious people tend to overthink situations. We tend to just be caught up in our thoughts. And when you live in your head, there you you see a lot of different possible outcomes and you begin to believe them and so it just becomes easier almost to just take going out off of the table just you know remove yourself from the equation uh it's normal that's that's a totally normal reaction it's weird and it's kind of complicated because yeah we want to go out but we don't want to go out but i would say that's very common and it's uh yeah, it's not really unusual at all. That's good to know because, uh, like, this past week, like, building up to it, I was just like, oh, man, we got to go downtown. Like, the one thing that stresses me out with downtown is that, like, it's so cramped and, like, the mm-hmm. parking. And I think, like, parking and just finding parking in general and just thinking of, of just, like, the worst case scenarios of what can go bad with parking really mm-hmm. dev- really derailed me from like wanting to go because the parking situation just stressed me out so much so sure now that you put it that way it kind of makes sense to me now yeah yeah because you know using your example you go downtown you know you're with your girlfriend you go downtown you got plans you can't find a parking spot anywhere on the block where you have plans okay so you start driving around you're you're going two blocks in every direction you can't find anything You know, it just, it begins to stress you out because when you go out, you're looking to have a relaxing time. You're looking to unwind and unburden yourself. And now here you are in this stressful situation. And you know, it's funny you say that because the, that parking situation, that parking scenario is actually remarkably common. I know so many people who, who are, you know, drop of a dime they'll go out they're they're social beings if they're alone for five hours it's you know chicken little for them they just love being out but then you talk to them and they're like oh yeah thank god for uber because i hated having to find a parking spot it was so stressful 
and hearing them say things like that, it's like, but wait a minute, like you were, you're, you're the former sorority girl. Like this, this was, this was your thing. This is what you like your entire Facebook existence for four years was just you at, at different social events. And here you are telling me now that you're, you've always been worried about finding a parking spot. That's so interesting. I don't know what it is about it, but that's just kind of the, kind of like a, like a, a universal stand-in or like an archetypal <laughs> stressor for social settings. Um, which, you know, that was one of the ones I used. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had friends say, cause like I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a big, uh, Grateful Dead fan, love Grateful Dead. And here in Dallas, there's a really, really great, uh, Grateful Dead cover band. You know, they play different little rundown clubs here and there in Dallas. And there have been so many times where some of my friends have called and said, Hey, you know, they're playing at Deep LM Art Company. And this was back before I really knew what Uber was. Um, because again, I'm technologically illiterate for the most part, which includes apps and ride shares. <laughs> and so I would I would hear them and I would like I would get online, I would see how much tickets were. I would, you know, put on the clothes that I was going to wear, you know, my, my best, my best hippie attire. And then I would go for my car keys. And that was when my palms would start sweating. Cause it's like, all right, now it's time for the rubber to literally meet the road here. What if I can't find a parking spot? And like that thought, that thought has derailed me so many times in social settings and not just like, well, I'll get over it. it like straight up. Okay. Well, you beat me parking spot anxiety. I'm going to go put my pajamas back on now. And then you just spend the rest of the night just kind of sulking because your friends are texting you like, Oh, they're playing uncle John's band. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading Lord of the Rings for the third time. And it's great too. And yeah, it's, you got, it, it, it's an interesting thing. It's interesting how universal that is, but it's, it's, something that you got to master, um, whether it's Uber, whether you pony up and, uh, drive yourself just to get over the fear. Um, it's, it's, that's the nature of anxiety. Either you control it or it controls you. Yeah. Yeah. I can say that like for now, because I've driven downtown a couple times, but I found like the parking garage that I, that is like my go-to now because I'm, cause that's like the only one that I'm like familiar with. And mm -hmm. I will continue to park there <laughs> for every <laughs> event. Probably even if I'm like a mile away from any like event that we're going to, I will still park there and I'll still walk. Like, like I'll yeah. just stay with what I'm comfortable with, what I'm comf comfortable with and that I know works. <laughs> Let, let me ask you this. When you go out, when you go to that parking garage, do you try to get into the same spot every time? So for for this one, I like you can park outside or okay. in the parking garage. For me, I tend to park on the, uh, I like to park on the outside. But if there's nothing on mm -hmm. the outside, like then I'm forced to go into the garage. But most of the time I would like to park outside. So I'm yeah. closer and so I can see my car. <laughs> That's okay. So that, yeah, that makes sense. So, so then there we see that your parking anxiety is actually kind of sticking with you because you still want to be able to see your car. I think that's interesting. Yeah.
Yeah. I think that's I think that's interesting. Because for me, like I like I hate parallel parking because I have one of like the hmm. older cars that don't have the backup the backup cameras. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I'm just like, well, I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not even gonna try it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that 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 makes sense. You uh, you you prefer to have a, a parking spot that there's only one direction to get into it rather than parallel. Yeah, yeah, I get it. As a closing statement, um, what are your thoughts on like? That is, so I am burdened by being able to see both sides of most things. And so I can see it going one of two ways. Like I said earlier, I think that, I think that the pandemic afforded us all collectively, um, collectively and as individuals, a great opportunity to, um, to, to do some real, uh, some real inner self kind of work um, that's painful to do and it can leave scars every now and then, but that doesn't mean that it's not good just because it's painful and uncomfortable. That doesn't mean that it's not good. So I can see it going one of two ways. I can see it benefiting um, particularly millennials and Gen Zers and whatever comes after Gen Z. I get my, my generation's confused. I think Gen but, um, Z is the current one. Is it the that current mean, one? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I thought I, I thought I had heard that there was a, a, a generation that had been named after Gen Z, but I can't remember. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm 34. So I basically just think of people as either being older than me or younger than me. I don't yeah, really think same. in terms of the generations, but I can see, I can see it being beneficial. Um, I can see it causing, uh, causing kids and teenagers and young adults who've gone through this to be more, um, maybe more self-aware, more, uh, empathetic to the needs of those around them. Um, I can see it kind of highlighting the importance of, uh, proper mental health care and, you know, better, better education about mental health. But I'm also, I'm a recovering cynic. And as a result of that, I tend not to think that that's going to be the result. And so my, my concern is that it's going to just kind of, um, kind of make us all a bit harder on the outside and, and, uh, you know, kind of just drive us a little bit more inward. I hope that I'm wrong because I don't want that to be the case, but it's, and you know, it's there, there are so many, there are so many variables that come with living in a society like ours. It's, uh, nobody is, is influenced by a single factor. You know, now we have, we have politics, which is, you know, seeped its way into pretty much every form of entertainment. We have education, which is becoming 
uh, you know, more political and more divisive. We have religion, which is, you know, losing popularity by the day. We have just all these different things. And within all of those factors, there are a million sub factors and they're all vying for our, uh, our attention and our dollars and our energy and our, and our minds. And, and I just, I worry sometimes that the, that the, the good possibilities quickly get overshadowed by, um, just by the amount of struggle and tension and frustration that's out there in the world. Um, and so, you know, that's why, that's why I became a counselor was I, I couldn't stand the idea of the world just getting darker and darker. And I thought, well, maybe it will get darker, but it's not going to get darker as a result of my own behavior. I want to try to make it a little bit better. And hopefully, hopefully the pandemic and seeing how quickly things can go awry and how bad they can get and how quickly they can get bad. Hopefully that will, that will cause a reawakening of sorts, uh, a, a sort of, <clears throat> I wouldn't go so far as a, to say a spiritual reawakening, but a, a reawakening of our shared humanity uh, and the fact that the things that that unite us and that make life worth living are much more than the things that divide us. Even if the things that divide us are, you know, they're more powerful, they're more emotional, they're more easy to tap into. Um, but we've seen some really good things come out of the pandemic. Uh, and hopefully we can build on those things rather than continuing to fracture i guess i would say i definitely agree on that but uh i wanted to thank you jeremy for coming on to the show on kind of short notice uh <laughs> i learned a lot from you um it was good to hear uh a side of the loneliness and the and like the pandemic effects from a uh, licensed professional Mm -hmm. uh where can my listeners find you do you have any shows or social or social medias that that they can find you on yeah so i um like i said i'm i'm tech illiterate so i'm pretty hard i'm not pretty hard to find but i'm not as public as some people uh i could be found on twitter at jeremy a key that's j-e-r-e-m-y-a-k-e-e -E. um I'm also on Instagram. I think on Instagram, I'm at J-A-Key, but J is spelled J-A-Y, which is not my first name. It's just the way that you spell the letter J. I am also um, in the process of putting together my own show. Uh, it's going to be called The Keyhole Podcast, a uh, bit of a play on words on my last name. Um, it's going to be a uh, an, a show where I interview interesting people about interesting topics. So a bit like this one, it's going to be a long form podcast. So episodes looking to go about 60 to 90 minutes. I've already got guests lined up to talk about J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, 
myth and storytelling and Catholicism and masculinity and fatherhood and just all sorts of different topics. Um, so that's going to get started up here probably in the next month or so. So you can keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I will have everything listed, uh, Jeremy's socials and his upcoming shows in the podcast descriptions. I will have everything linked on morenyouknowpodcast.com. So be sure to check out the morenyouknowpodcast.com as it is the new home of this podcast. I'll be posting everything there along with my guests, socials, and podcasts. Uh, and any show notes or anything that they mentioned in this episode or in the episode that you can click on and learn more information about. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you and a pleasure talking to you. I really, really did enter. I really did enjoy it. I appreciate you having me on, Brian. I'm happy to talk anytime. <laughs>